Love is in the air and Minky Couture has the best gift ever for your Valentine. Don't give candy and flowers a die. Give a unique and luxurious gift that lasts. Show your love you care with a new hugs blanket from Minky Couture. Nothing says I love you like a warm, cozy Minky Couture blanket that hugs you back. Give them a hug, and while you're at it, give yourself a hug too. You deserve it. Minky Couture has the perfect blanket that says I love you. Shop stores and online at MinkyCouture.com. No stranger to Big Blend Radio, Mark Hyland, the organic mechanic, is joining us on today's Garden Gossip Show to talk about his awesome, awesome new book, Practical Organic Gardening, The No-Nonsense Guide to Growing Naturally. I mean, it has everything from growing vegetables and herbs to mushrooms, flowers, lots of flower power in there, collecting rain and rain barrels, all about soil and having uh, healthy, healthy soil, because apparently this is like one of our main resources in our country and, uh, and around the world. So it's a big deal. Um, of course, you can get the book on Amazon, so check it out there. Uh, Mark is the president of the Organic Mechanics Soil Company. That's where we first connected with him a few years back. He started in 2006, and uh, he's got a lot of training uh, in regards to environmental horticulture, composting, and potting soil. And he's also a speaker that goes around promoting, educating, and inspiring people about the many rewards of organic gardening. He also served as a consultant for the EPA. That's important, and everybody right now, this is, you know, organic gardening, whatever's going on with the EPA, this is one thing we can do to combat whatever's going on. I'm just saying. <laughs> and uh, he's, also, he's also a um, consultant for the Institute for Self, Local Self-Reliance, which is very cool. And he recently received the Young Professional Award from the Perennial Plant Association. Cool. Very cool. Uh, go to his website, organicmechanicsoil.com. And he's even got soil you can buy online there, and it's organic and good. We know all about that soil. It helped us with a garden back in the high desert, uh, helped to actually really fix what, you know, whatever the developers did in building this house. Whatever they did to that soil, he helped with that. And, uh, of course, you can keep up with him on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Organic Mechanic Soil. Mark, welcome back, Organic Mechanic. Thanks for having me back on the show. Hey, it's been a while, and it seems like your business has been growing, and now this amazing book. Uh, yeah, you've you've been busy the last few years. Been a little bit of a hamster wheel at times, but yes, we uh, you know <laughs> definitely been keeping busy. So. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I, I was looking now that you know people can buy you know or your soil online, even worm castings and all kinds of good stuff. And I know with your book, you talk about. You know, practical organic gardening, it's, it's really a paradigm shift we have to make. It's not just about growing vegetables on the, you know, around the corner where the sun is. This is like a huge deal as well as part of a lifestyle. And I just before we get into that discussion, I, I really wanted to touch on the fact that your company also lives by those models. I was really reading about even your delivery trucks uh, run on biodiesel. And, and so you've taken it not just in your lifestyle but also in your professional life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, environmental sustainability is a core value at Organic Mechanics, has been since day one, so it affects a lot of our decisions on the products we make, the materials we use, the the, the process. Um, so it all, because it all feeds, it's all a feedback loop, so it, you know, it all builds, and the more sustainable you can be in um, various aspects of your life, you know, the better off we all are. So. 
Agreed. Agreed. So what prompted you to write a book on organic gardening, but like not just do here, this is how you grow your vegetables? Yeah, I mean, my um, one of my overarching goals is definitely to connect with gardeners, to share uh, methods of organic gardening. Um, you know, the, the Organic Mechanic Soil Company is, is a, an arm of that. But, um, you know, I was asked by a friend if I was interested in writing a book on organic gardening. And I thought about it for a bit and then decided, absolutely, this is going to be a way to reach a lot of people, to share what I've learned, many different people over the past few decades and uh, help to help people build organic gardens um, around their properties, their homes, their businesses. So it was all about the sharing the message of organic gardening. This was an opportunity to do it, so I jumped on it. Wow. And did it take you a while? Because, I mean, even looking at the photos and the projects, and it's just so well written, and it does really make you change. Yeah, it makes you want to garden. It makes you want to take these active steps. I know I look at what's going on around the the country and, and you know, certain rules being dropped, you know, that are protective for us, uh, not just for, you know, wildlife and public lands, but it, that it means that it's, you know, we have to look at what we do as individuals to protect our health too. And that, that's that symbiosis between if, if the ground and the soil is healthy, so are we, and so is the water, you know. And I feel like, you know, when I was reading your book, I'm like, this is a step we can all take to feel good, no matter what's going on in our country right now in regards to politics and, and the environment. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, our, our backyards are, are our own places to get out, to enjoy, to breathe fresh air, um, to be in nature. And, you know, you have total control over your backyard, your property, your garden. You know, your choices mm. uh, get to, you know, dictate kind of what you do and, and, uh, and, and what you love is going to, you know, uh, manifest in the garden. If you love flowers, hey, then you should plant a lot of flowers. If you love to eat blueberries in your pancakes or in your champagne, Yay. you should have some blueberry plants. And and all of the, these um, things are t- totally attainable. Anybody who's listening thinking, well, I have a brown thumb, I can never do it, you absolutely can. It just takes time and practice. It's just like anything. The first time mm-hmm. you tried to ride a bike, uh, you know, you had to practice. Everything takes practice, including gardening. And if you're not killing plants, you're not really gardening. You have to mm. get out there and try. And that's just part of the, the joy of being in nature. You, you know, the, the cycle of, of uh, growth, life, and death. I mean, you, you see it every year in the garden. You know, plants, little seedlings come up, they grow up, they bear fruit, and then eventually they die and go back to the compost heap. It's part of the cycle of life. There's so many lessons to learn in the garden. That's why I love getting outside as much as possible, even in the winter. There's always mm. something to see and do, and, and uh, so, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I just uh, love gardening and, and um, all all that love into the book. It, it truly is. We, it's a it's one of those books we call a Bible book. Um, not taking any away from religion here. I'm just saying it's one of those books that if you're going to have one book on gardening, this is it. Like this it is has the one, yeah. you haven't left anything out, and it's and you can understand it, and it's and you it's fun. The projects are fun. I love all the bugs in there, you know, and I want to know, Nancy and I were talking about I know. <laughs> the stink bugs. I know, because I was like, oh, look, the solution is go pick them up, you know. I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> do, you, do you just go for it? Do you wear a mask, you know, with stink bugs, or how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> you got to be brave. Um, you know, yeah. whenever you're handling insects, um, you know, if you don't know what it is, you know, there's a chance it might 
um, you know, try to, you know, quote unquote, bite you, even though yes. most insects don't actually bite. They just have a little, a stylet that looks like a drinking straw, and they might try to poke you with it. Um, and some <laughs> insects will um, secrete a substance that might, um, you know, itch or burn. So if you want to wear gloves, put on some gloves. But yeah, you just got to have nerves of steel and just, you know, the stink bugs or Japanese beetles, you just grab them and throw them in a cup of soapy water. That works. Um, you know, your hands are one of your greatest tools in the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, same thing when you're, when you're growing anything, uh, they call them brassicas. That means broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, mm. kale, all those wonderful veggies. Um, there's, a, there's an insect called cabbage looper. Um, it's a white butterfly that flies around, lays eggs, and they're green caterpillars. They're very hard to see, but you just pick them off with your fingers. I just put them into my hand. And I'm telling you, if you have chickens, man, that's, you know, that's a delicacy, right? Um, delicious <laughs> caterpillars for chickens. But I just put them on a spot where I know the birds will find them. And um, sure enough, they disappear within a couple hours. You come back from the garden, they're gone. Some birds found them and fed them to their babies. So um, you know, it's amazing what you can do just with your hands or, or a stream of water to keep things organic and uh, control some pests. My grandmother, she used to collect bugs off of her plants in her garden and throw them into a, a dish filled with near beer. And she said that stuff would kill anything. So she would throw them in near beer. <laughs> well, she was always nice. the one who said you had to plant for us, and then you planted, you know, one, what was it, plant one for God, one for? One for you, one for God, and one for nature. Mm-hmm. And when she said, plant. if you didn't believe in God, plant one for your neighbor. <laughs> yeah, that's how you do it. I, I, I totally agree, uh, you know, because if you don't know what the caterpillar is on your plant, I mean, mm-hmm. you could be killing a beautiful butterfly. You yeah. could be killing, you know, something that is just is part of nature and yeah, that's why I always grow a little bit extra um, parsley, just because that way you can have tiger swallowtails. And, nice. um, you know, of course, a lot of people are planting, um, you know, butterfly weed, Asclepius, which is a great plant for the monarchs. Um, you know, there's a lot of great butterfly food out there. Um, and it's important to kind of know what you're looking at. And so that's why mm-hmm. books like this, other insect books, um, you know, and I, I appreciate you all saying, wow, this is like the one book. And, and of course, it is a, I think it's a fantastic reference book because there's a <laughs> lot of topics covered. Um, but, you know, you can only go so far with, uh, you know, 56,000 words. And so to find yeah. out more about insects, certainly there are great books that, because there's so many different insects around the country and butterflies oh, yeah. are endemic, you know, around different areas. So it helps to have a local guide mm-hmm. for things this is your great overarching uh because a lot of these pests in here everybody deals with um yeah. you know and everybody has to deal with soil everybody has to um, grapple with a lot of these things in the book um but you know if you yeah. don't know what it is you shouldn't squish it until you know mm-hmm. what it is because it could exactly, be something really yeah. cool Exactly. I know it could be, you know, you know, we're looking at bees, too, and people get all confused. And you really talked about, you know, bees as well. And um, I, I just want to touch back on, and I love the fact that you talk about go and look about what's endemic to your area and locally because, you know, you talk a lot about native plants. And, I mean, you're basically going, you know, plant everything you want, you know, whatever you want, but, you know, do it organically and as native as possible and looking at your entire garden. Um, I just want to touch base on when you said butterfly weed, this is different than butterfly bush, which is not a native, right? Butterfly weed is, it, it's a completely different plant, right? 
Yeah, it's kind of a terrible common name because it, it says butterfly weed, and that makes you think you don't want it. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the Latin name, Asclepius, um, it's a gorgeous plant. Um, has these uh, kind of red, orange, yellow type flowers. Um, there's also the native one on the East Coast. It's just all orange flowers. There's there's, there's a, quite a few different species of the um, milkweed or a swamp, a swamp milkweed, Asclepius, uh, out there. And you know butterflies love that plant. Mm. Um, so it's absolutely gorgeous, but only one of many, right? And butterfly bush, that's different. That's known as budlia. And um, that can actually be more of an aggressive plant just because it, it can seed in and take over wild areas. Um, but, you know, really all plants are serving a purpose on this planet in terms of, you know, helping hold the soil together, making air for all of us to breathe. So, uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. I am all about native plants because that's supporting the wildlife that is uh, endemic to your area. But it, it pays mm-hmm. to, you know, Take a visit to your local botanic garden, your local public garden. There's so much knowledge to be learned there where they will happily share uh, details about what's native to your area. Um, you know, also going to your local garden center. It's another great thing to do. It's a fun activity on the weekend to hit your local garden center and see what kind of plants they have. And uh, with those two resources alone, plus maybe a book or two, you can get all the info you want on all your native plants that are local to your area that will support your local wildlife. I I think what's exciting about it, too, is that we're going to discover things you don't know about the region. Like here in Tucson, I know last time we chatted with you, we were out in the Joshua Tree area, and then we traveled for three years, three and a half years on the road nonstop, and Mm. now we're back here, and it's this complete different desert environment. Mm. And, you know, so in Joshua Tree area in that high desert, you know, people are like, you can't have a garden here. Well, we proved it wrong. You could. And um, we had a super garden. I mean, it was really thriving. We had, you know, every kind of animal you can imagine, but we never saw snakes. And I think it's the just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. You don't need a reason when the one and only hot and melty sausage McMuffin with egg is just two fifty. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Because we had so many roadrunners and um, cats and all the feral cats of the neighborhood. But anyway, here, it's been really interesting Really looking at the native plants, we have this whole riparian area, and Tucson is pretty green-thumbed as a as a city, and a lot of native plants, you know, saguaros and all that beautiful, you know, it's beautiful. But to watch the different seasons over the last year and a half that we've been home, um, these different like fig beetles and cactus-eating beetles and all these beetles, and you start looking them up and the different lizards and you know, if, if you keep your eyes open and you watch what goes to the native plants, a whole new world comes into view, a whole new, you know, just this 
it's like a new planet. It's like this natural paradise. And I wonder about kids getting in the garden. This is the coolest thing too, because when we have gardens, we want kids in there, but we also, you, you make a point of this. You don't want kids playing in the garden when you've used pesticides. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, all too often when you see the signs in public places, you know, don't walk on here, you know, pesticide application, um, you know, you absolutely do not want kids or even pets running around mm. um, or yourself for that matter, um, you know, after a, anywhere where you see a pesticide application going down. And, and that's why I, of course, would love everyone to be organic in their backyards, not only for the, the planet, but for themselves, for their families. Um, mm. Yeah, there's residue on, on everything. I mean, that's how pesticides work. If there was a residue on the plant, that's supposed to be there to kill the bug. You know, so just because you sprayed it two hours ago doesn't mean that it's, oh, it's gone. I can touch it now. You know, it's uh, absolutely not. Uh, so those, that stuff is dangerous, and you always have to follow the instructions on the label, even if you're using an organic pesticide to control, say, you know, aphids on roses or something. Like, even mm-hmm. there are organic pesticides, but they're still not, you're still not supposed to be touching them with your bare hands or breathing them in. You know, safety first, of course, when it comes to that stuff. But yeah, I prefer a world with without that. You know, I'm okay with a few holes and some leaves now and then. Uh, you know, if I see a bug problem, I'll wait. I'll let nature take its course. And sure enough, if you let the aphids go long enough, something's going to show up and eat them. Whether it's Goldfish. ladybugs lay an egg or ladybug larvae, they'll come in and eat. Lace wings will lay eggs, and they'll they're voracious little predators. They love to eat those things. So hmm. um, we, it's about we had patience a- and yeah. We had a ton of goldfinches come in mm. and and eat the aphids. Yeah, they just showed up one day and they went, "Look at this!" And I know. We're just like, when we we're going, Whoa. we better do something. This looks crazy. And then it's and then true. Here comes goldfinches at the height of the aphids, and then it, we didn't have a problem. It is true. So gardening teaches you patience and the world of balance, right? And, and that's the other thing too. I just some things I really didn't know and. You talk about recycling and and really just getting into that lifestyle. But there was something that I really, I did not know this, the longer shelf life of food is organic. And, you know, so when you think about stores, a lot of times people won't buy organic because, oh, the apple has a little bump in it or, you know, a bird pecks something out of it. So people don't think to buy it. And then you've got these shiny apples that are all red and waxy and whatever. and, And there's this mindset of, those will last longer than the organics. And you're saying, no, that's not true. The organics have a longer shelf life. Yeah. And there's, um, you know, there's a couple theories as to why that is, Um, you know, basically the the basic gist is that, you know, organic crops, because they're not, they don't have an easy life. They're not sprayed with things to kill the bugs. You know, they have to fight for their, for their lives to produce their fruit, right? They have to work harder. So, um, a side effect that plants can do, plants are pretty good at defending themselves. So they can produce these um, compounds that um, are kind of detrimental to insects. So, um, you know, a plant can increase the concentration of a compound in its leaves that might make the leaves taste bitter, and especially after it takes, a caterpillar takes the first few bites. It's an automatic production. So, you know, plants hmm. can do that. Plants can produce all kinds mm-hmm. of things to help deter insects to help fight off pathogens. Um, they have an immune system just like us, and it will kick in. And so one of the theories is that um, because of all the extra 
uh, you know, compounds that are there, uh, you know, that will help uh, with them because they have, um, you know, higher levels of antioxidants and other things that just helps them last a little bit longer. Uh, and you notice that if you buy food at the farmer's market mm-hmm. versus the food you buy in the grocery store. Now, granted, it's just a lot fresher when it comes from the farmer's market because it probably sure. came out of the ground within the last couple of days. Yeah. Whereas if you're buying it from the grocery store, it had to get picked, packed, trucked, warehoused, and then finally it ends up in the store. So it goes on you know, the world cruise first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, world yeah. cruise. Yeah, where has that <laughs> tomato been? You know, it's, uh... all the way to Panama and back. Or, sure. or you know, and who's who's you know? Sometimes you don't know what's happening to the laborers on these farms. I mean, even like coffee and things like that. You don't know if someone's like slave labor for your food. You don't know. That's another side. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, in general, with with organic, they, they have like uh, like fair trade. Uh, those types of labels and designations. You know, reading the labels on things mm-hmm. is important. Um, you know, because just because it has the word organic on it. You might have mm. to read the fine print and make sure that it actually is and it's not just being used as a marketing ploy because there's strict organic standards when it comes to food, right? That's the USDA mm-hmm. organic uh, seal that we see on food. And then when you talk about gardening products, there's what's known as OMRI listed, which is O-M-R-I. That stands for the Organic Materials Review Institute. So that's an independent third party. They're verifying uh, that a product is truly organic and it's not just saying that it is. So if you see the OMRI, O-M-R-I, seal on a gardening product, doesn't matter if it's a pest control, fertilizer, soil, whatever, um, mm. then it's past that, that stringent set of tests. And you know, I could, if I have an organic farm, I can use this product. So you know it's truly organic. It's not just a marketing thing. So, um, you know, it is important to, to read those labels sometimes. Yeah, to your point about the plants being able to um, produce compounds that taste a little bit bitter in order to protect themselves, we saw that very clearly in Africa where um, you wondered why herds of antelope would cover such a huge distance in one day to eat. Instead of, like, they'd be at a plant and they would nibble around the top and a little bit on the sides and then move on. And um, instead of, why don't you just eat the whole plant? And that was, we learned the same thing there, is that the plant would produce something bitter tasting and then the animal would move on. And even another antelope would already know, now that one's going to taste bad. Mm. So they would cover distances and then the plant has a chance to um, regroup with itself and, and grow more leaves so that nothing gets eaten to the ground. But we did find, um, as far back as I can remember, that plants and shrubs did that. I don't think grasses did that because it seemed like the grazing animals could eat down to the ground, you know, and the grasses don't seem to protect themselves that way, as far as I remember. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's some really interesting stuff um, in some of the Michael Pollan books that hmm. I was reading about um, uh, this farmer, Joel Salatin, and his regenerative farming practices. And, you know, essentially if you move your herd uh, from field to field, the grass can actually be more productive if it only gets the uh, the one bite, uh, mm-hmm. you know, by the animal. Because um, if the animal eats too far down, it takes that grass a long time to come back. Yeah. Um, but if they only take one bite and move on, and then they keep moving the herd around, I mean, there's so many amazing mm. practices that organic farmers have figured out to help 
build soil carbon, to help uh, make a more productive farm. Um, you know, it's absolutely wonderful that that's going on because we need that. We need these yeah, farms to be producing mm-hmm. healthy, organic food that not only is good for our bodies, but it's also good for the soil, for mm-hmm. the water, for our air, uh, you know, for the insects, for the whole food web. And it's, it's so yeah, important. Yeah, you can't keep moving from farm to farm. Yeah. You know, like you have a farm ruin everything and then move and go get a new farm. It doesn't work that mm-hmm. way. You have right. to learn, you know, and it's, okay, I know I, I suppose some people are willing to go live on Mars or find a new planet. I'm not going. <laughs> I'm going to stay here and fix whatever is messed up. Yeah. I don't want to go find a new planet to live on. Thank you very much. No, we have birds with- in our backyard. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. You know, Mark, I want to talk about soil because um, we were just talking about this with David Mizajewski from the National Wildlife Federation a couple days ago about gardening in the correct way where you're working with nature and you're working with wildlife, growing native plants and, you know, making sure there's water and food and shelter and and shelter for the young, um, you know, when it comes to wildlife and birds, butterflies, insects, salamanders, frogs, all those good things, you know which is part of that whole system like you're talking about with organic gardening, whether it's your vegetables or your flowers or your trees. Soil, to me, we were just talking about like how we're actually creating dead zones in gardening or lack of gardening. And I was reading your book about the importance of soil, how it's just this really precious resource. Um, If we take care of the soil, wouldn't that help alleviate these dead zones so that you know, as communities, if each person, everyone's backyard, even if it's just the patio that you're growing on the patio organically, um, that even schools and community gardens, if everybody started really doing this organic practice and and changing the soil structure back to what it is, wouldn't that help alleviate these dead zones that we've we've actually – I never even thought about how we've done that on a mass scale. I always think about, you know – how the you know monocrop farming and, and conventional farming has done that, but I never thought about how individually how we could change that too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, because it all starts at home, and and um, you know certainly there are a lot of bigger problems when you talk about you know, uh, source um, of sources of pollution that contribute to these dead zones in our waterways. Um, you know, a lot of the culprits are, are phosphorus. Um, and nitrogen ending up in in uh, you know in our water, and then it makes mm. it down to the local river, and then it makes it down to the local bay. And um, so, yeah, having a very healthy organic garden and taking care of your soil can help to manage those nutrients and keep them in your garden, as opposed to letting them get away. Because you certainly don't need to overapply nutrients. Um, plants are quite good at getting those nutrients out of the soil if it's prepared right. Um, and native soil has a lot to give. Native topsoil mm-hmm. has taken centuries to be produced. I mean, it, it takes a long time mm-hmm. to make soil. You can't just mm-hmm. go make soil in the backyard. You can make compost in the backyard, uh, but soil itself is a very complex thing, right? And it has amazing ability to hold on to nutrients and water. Um, it's a home for microbes. So, uh, you know, and of course, those those bigger ones, the macro fauna of the soil, the worms and, and whatnot, and arthropods that are in the soil. But, um, yeah, it pays to take care of your soil from the beginning. And uh, the, the very first thing to do in any garden, new or established, if you, if you don't know, if you feel like something's amiss, 
you're not getting the same yields you used to. Um, getting a soil test is my number one recommendation to mm. find out what's in your soil, what the pH of the soil is, yeah. and what nutrients are there. Because then you can take steps to add certain things if they're mm. lacking um, by using you know, minerals. Um, and there's all kinds of fertilizers. There's vegetable-based fertilizers. There's plant-based. There's, um, there's plant-based. There's animal-based. And then there's mineral amendments. So mineral amendments are things that are uh, naturally produced. Um, so things like azomite, uh, which is a mineral that's mined out of the ground. It's a very unique deposit. Uh, formed a long time ago, but it just has a little bit of everything. It's got all the micronutrients in it. Um, you know, you look at other fertilizers like alfalfa meal that can provide the just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Cause it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. You don't need a reason when the one and only hot and melty sausage McMuffin with egg is just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. This is Shaquille O'Neal. Do you ever scream at your printer, call it naughty names, or hurl empty ink cartridges across the room? You likely suffer from cartridge conniptions caused by ink cartridges constantly running out of ink. Thankfully, the Epson EcoTank printer is the perfect cure. It's cartridge-free, conniption-free, prescription-free, with big ink tanks and a ridiculous amount of ink. So you can finally kiss expensive cartridges goodbye. The Epson EcoTank, just fill and chill. Available at Office Depot and Staples. A little bit of nitrogen, uh, phosphorus, and potassium. Uh, you can even use things like crab shell, right? It's a wonderful fertilizer. I mean, wow. you have to think that we have all these things available to us. They're not really waste products. These are valuable resources that mm. we need to be converting into fertilizer to use in our garden. So this so could add to the food waste problem we have. I mean, when you look at mm -hmm. – um, we, do, we do a lot of interviews with Global Green USA. They're, the, they're like the green cross of, the, of America, <laughs> and um, they, they have this initiative to get – uh, you know, not just, you know, people in their backyards composting, but even apartment complexes to start composting because of the mass food waste problem we have in this country. And it's, I mean, it's billions of tons of food waste. And it ends up in landfills. And it's like, wait a minute. And, and some, you know, some things are like, <laughs> some things are just like, here's all this food coming out of a restaurant. So, like, if we could grab, it's like the biodiesel, right? We want the chip oil, <laughs> your french fries oil or whatever. Mm -hmm. If we can grab some of that food waste and put it back into the soil, we would be helping, helping the country and, and the whole with the, with the soil. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's nothing better than making your own compost in the backyard. It's free. It's keeping that stuff out of the landfill. Uh, there's so many good reasons for doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, and plus, you're making a very beneficial soil amendment that you otherwise have to go out and purchase. And granted, you know, I've been making compost for, for decades. And, you know, you, make, you, you keep adding to the pile. You keep adding to the pile. And, you know, for me, it takes, you know, three or four years to build up a pile to the point like, all right, I'm going to harvest this now. Mm -hmm. um, but then you spread it out in the garden. You're like, where did all that just that just disappeared in like five seconds? You know, so yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's great to have. Uh, you know, there's there's always a local supplier of compost, and they're making compost again from local ingredients. And uh, some mm. of the really great ones are taking in food waste from 
restaurants from you know other places and then composting that on an industrial scale um, and then you know converting that back into compost to use in the garden so that that carbon isn't going away it stays local and eventually gets back in the ground to help build soil carbon levels which is important wow this is very cool and and so now the other thing i wanted to touch on lawns because we were all starting to talk about how we shouldn't have lawns if you live in california droughts um all the fertilizers that you know the runoff that goes into the street and then out into the ocean creates algal harmful algal blooms and um so like lawns are bad right and then you have this whole section of your book saying they're not bad. It's how you're doing them. Yeah. <laughs> like lawns are actually a good thing if they're done right, right? So what are the benefits of having a lawn if done correctly? Well, um, you know, I would definitely recommend, you know, kind of limiting the lawn space. Um, yeah. But, you know, grass is a fantastic filter. Um, it's going to help filter things out of the air. It's, pro- it's producing a whole lot of, of oxygen, Um it also will help cool. Uh, so grassy areas are much cooler than, uh, you know, impervious surface or even um, mm-hmm. areas with no lawn whatsoever. If it's just bare earth, bare earth is going to be hotter than, than yeah. a grassy area, so it helps to cool down too. It's a place to go outside and reconnect with nature. It's a place to walk barefoot. It's a place to play with your kids or your pets. Uh, you know, there's so many um, memories mm. that, uh, we all, I think, that a lot of people have from lawns and being in grass. And, and, and even if you live in the city and you live in an apartment, you know, there's there's parks and there's nothing like going to that park and seeing that green. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that it's the first thing to green up in spring. When the lawn starts growing, that means that spring has officially returned uh, and the soil is warming up. So, yeah, there's there's uh, some, some good info on, on basic lawn care in the book. Um, you know, one thing is also uh, choosing the right grass species for your lawn. That mm. is incredibly important because if you choose the wrong one, it's just not going to do well, and you're going to feel like you need to call that 1-800 number to Chemical Town to come in and fix mm. it. But that's not what you need. Sometimes it's just making the right choice. So, like, there's this uh, grass type called Eco Lawn. Um, it's from this place called Wildflower Farm. It's extremely low-maintenance lawn seed. You don't have to mow it every weekend. The stuff is great. It's different fescue varieties, even does well in some shade. So, I mean, there's hmm. it's about choosing the right uh, species of grass and then taking care of it properly. And you don't need all the extra pesticides. You just have to manage it properly. And um, there's some things you got to do for that. So if you really want the lawn, you can do it. Um, another thing that really helps lawns is... Um, uh, or any garden for that matter, um, just because of how much it helps the soil, is, is biochar. Mm. Biochar is an amazing soil additive uh, that's permanent. Once you add it, it's a lifetime amendment. Um, biochar mm. helps to hold nutrients and water. It's a home for soil microbes. This stuff is absolutely amazing on what it does for plant growth. And that, when added to a lawn uh, management program, because, again, add it once, it's there for life. Um, mm. It's a fantastic amendment to help increase the health of a of a lawn. 
and leave the dandelions alone. They're cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love the dandelions. I think you're right. And it's, you know, it's picnic time. You want to, you want to sit and have a picnic on the grass and, you know, it's like a, it's a good family thing to have that. And I think you're right. Yeah. Just don't, you don't need the, you know, this massive lawn and over here in the desert, and by the way, I love that you put a whole map for that. You put the you know the map of the country in your book so you can see like what region you're in and what kind of grasses that should be in your lawn. Um, but also out here they tear up. You know we do get grass, and it's so cool in the monsoon season to see the desert just green up. And it's like, <gasps> you know, and and it's true. Whenever Nancy and I travel out of the desert and we see green, we we kind of like, like we go into shock. We, yeah, we're kind of like just we're zombies in a way. We're just like drooling over it. It's like wow. But um, when the grass part, a lot of people out here just start putting um, gravel, and it for us it it. I know people think it, it's good and it keeps it cooler, but it actually heats up your house. It, it heats up the heat plants. It everything. And it raises the temperature. You can walk, if you, like, just leave dirt or uh, do, like, a ground cover or something, you can just walk through a neighborhood and see the difference in temperature versus if they're using gravel. So would you say, like, you know, instead of gravel, do, like, a ground cover or just plant something <laughs> in a way? Yeah, plant something, plant anything. You know, plants are going to help cool down uh, the environment, you know, a microclimate uh, or, or the entire yard. The more plants, the better, because they're, um, they are breathing. There is water mm-hmm. coming out of them at all times in the form of vapor. Um, so that, and that's cooling the air because it's cooling, it's, it's, the plant is cooling itself off at the same time. The leaves are just mm-hmm. trying to reduce the, the temperature of the leaf, right? And And with a lawn, you know, hey, if it's green, it's good. Like, there should be clover in a lawn mm. mix. You know, there mm. used to be. All the pasture blends yeah. um, a long time ago, like, there, there was all kinds of other things, clovers and other things for, for animals to eat, for, for just part of the lawn blend. And slowly over time, we wanted this, like, really pure. No, it has to be pure grass, only this one species. And it's like, well. I think it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, you know, like, I get it. Like, <laughs> hey, if you're golfing, like, yeah, I, I understand. You need it to be yeah. absolutely perfect on the green. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a big golfing fan, but my grandfather's a golfer. I know. People, hey, if that's the way you connect with nature, more power to you. You know, I'd encourage you to get out in the garden more. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So, a little bit of clover, a little bit of dandelion, no big deal. It's still a beautiful place for insects, for people to play, for all those things. Mm. I, I think it's funny, you know, out in the desert, you know, we're already hot. And and in order to um, not have weeds, people throw gravel down, and then you get to pick the weeds out from between, between the gravel. The, gravel. <laughs> the weeds are like, hey, let's out. It's, we it's, see sunshine. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's uncomfortable to be on your hands and knees in gravel and and try to pick out weeds. And it is hot. You can put your hand above, mm. you know, when they especially when they mound it up around a tree or something. You know, you can put your hand above the gravel about three inches, and you will feel the heat. Mm-hmm. And then, and they're like, "No, it's a mulch." I'm like, "No, it's not. <laughs> I just, it's just not a mulch. Yeah, it's, it's gravel, and it's hot. And and that's the same with leaves, right? In in your area, um, you know, anywhere in this country, even out here in the desert, we have we have forests. Um, is to to leave the leaves, right, and not rake them away, because that actually helps your soil too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm uh, every year I just blow them all to the edge of the property, to the wood line, and I just blow them into the woods. They're great mulch. Um, 
But, hmm. yeah, the more you can leave, things like that, even twigs and sticks, a little uh, twigs and sticks that fall, if you break them up and just throw them in the bed, that's carbon that should stay there. You don't have to cart it away. And, you know, there's definitely value in leaving plant material up over the winter. I know a lot mm-hmm. of um, tradition is tied around, you know, let's clean up the garden beds, let's remove all the dead set, uh, you know, stems and everything from the prior year. But if you leave that stuff, it's places for ground beetles to hide. It's places for other insects to be. Um, you know, just yesterday I was out there just watching these birds rummage through all the debris. They're definitely mm. eating. They're finding bugs. You, you see like, oh, yeah. that one's got a bug. You know, I was looking at it with my kids like, look, that one's got a bug. That one's got a bug. So yeah. they're just like rooting around there, finding stuff. So it's, it's cover for insects, but then those become food for birds. And that's the whole cycle. If you get out there and you have an organic garden, I mean, if I had been, if I was not an organic gardener and I had been spraying, I'd be worried. I'd be like, oh, those birds are eating bugs that are poisoned. That's just, exactly. I don't want to do that. I want to go outside and be contributing to nature, be one with nature, be part of the experience. Um, and that's absolutely happening when you watch that bird come in and eat things in your garden. And then, you know, that's, that's the best thing ever, in my opinion. But. Yeah, and then they come back in the summer when you have aphids, and they're like, oh, I remember this guy's got bugs. Let's I'm go harvest. There. Well, no, and that's a, such a big deal because I yeah. think a lot of people put feeders out and things like that, and sometimes you do in the beginning. or, But I watch, you know, I always wonder about what we're feeding the birds. You know, you go to like a big box store and you buy all this seed and it's got corn in it and all this, and I'm always wondering, like, where has this seed been? Like, how much, like, even in the processing part, I mean, how clean can it be for the birds? And I always wonder about birds going and eating places, eating, because you see birds, especially like in, in you know, certain neighborhoods, you'll see a bird come in with bumps. And I mean, it belonged to this Facebook birding group, and people will start putting up alerts about, hey, in our neighborhood, have you seen this happen with this bird? And someone will start saying, well, I saw a bird over here. And, and it's like, is someone using pesticides or what's yeah. going on? Or is there some, you know, bacteria or virus or, you know, and I always wonder about what are we doing to the birds? Because they are the canaries, literally, you know, it's telling us. We saw a lot us, of that in 20 Yeah, and, and I always wonder about the air and the water and all this runoff. You know, if, if a bird sees a puddle, they're going to go drink out of it if they're thirsty. And a butterfly is going to, you know, go, you know, flitter around and go puddling, you know. So I always, I'm paranoid about it. Like, I just, I want to go walk around neighborhoods with a big shovel and take all the gravel away. And then I just want to go plant and make everything green. <laughs> everything needs to be green and happy. <laughs> but I do want to touch on this because I know, and, and then we got to ask about, you know, where you want to take a one-hour walk in a garden and who with. Um harvesting seeds seeds because there's harvesting collecting then mm. i know you know some people are doing it and they're looking at what they're going to do in the spring to plant them you know in the fall it's a good time um but i know a lot of people are sitting there going okay we're going to plant something this year or maybe they're you know they're already gardening but it's like seed catalog time right we're all looking at them going oh let's do this and then you start looking at all these different seeds and you really covered this well in the book um there's GMO versus GE, so we should touch on that, and organic, hybrid, and heirloom. Where should we – I know heirloom seeds are good, but the GMO, the GE, what, where are we on that? Because that gets very confusing. Yeah, right? So I, uh, I definitely gave that a couple of pages in the book. Um, and, and collecting your own seed, it actually is a lot easier than most people might think. 
Mm. Um, and there's some tips in the book about how to collect seed of various things. Um, you know, like our favorite one to collect and save is um, peas. Mm. So the kid, the kids love the crunchy peas, and um, they're just so easy to save. You just let some pods go all the way till they're, um, you know, dry and tan colored, and uh, you can shake them. You can hear the seeds in there, and they look totally wrinkled, just like they do when they come out of a seed packet. But mm. those are quality seeds, and we just save them from year to year. And um, they're going to be different than the very first ones that you planted. So, you know, when you buy a packet of seeds, it's going to say something on it, right? Whether it's, um, you know, heirloom, hybrid, um, sometimes open pollinated um, on the seed packet. And mm. it's a particular um, cultivar, right? Like it'll have a name, uh, right? So, like, snow, like, for for peas, for example, it could be snow giant or something. But, um, you know, down the line, because in nature, the peas are crossing with other pea plants. And uh, if you're growing more than one type, well, they can cross pollinate. And so the result, cool. um, you know, babies, um, the, the next generation of seed, they're going to be a little different than the parent generation, but there's nothing wrong with that. They're still going to make crunchy peas. And if you mm. want, you can even select like, ooh, this pod is gigantic. I'm going to let those peas mature all the way and dry up, and then I'm going to plant those next year. And you can kind of select over time for certain things. Hmm. Um, there's another thing that I do in the garden each year with um, lettuce is a great example. So every year I will let a couple of my lettuce plants, usually the ones that I like the best, that look nice, that seem to be a bit hardier in some way, and I'll let them go all the way to seed. And then I take that seed and I just kind of thrash it around the garden a little bit. And then every year we have seedlings that just come up naturally of lettuce. So I, I cool. don't plant a whole lot of lettuce because it's constantly coming up, constantly growing. If you do that for a few seasons in your garden, you're going to naturally end up with lettuce, um, you know, uh, genetics that are a bit tougher, more adapted to your local climate. Um, and it's fantastic. Like every spring we have lettuce that comes up and I don't have to do anything. So there's just That's cool. some really fun thing to do collecting your own seeds in the garden. And I know that you, you wanted to touch about, uh, you know, GMO versus GE. So for, for those that don't know, GMO is genetically modified organism. And then GE is genetically engineered. Okay. So mm. in general, in the, uh, in the media and everything else, everyone knows GMO. You know, like there's a GMO-free, mm -hmm. right? There's a label. There's a whole thing about it now, right? GMO-free um, versus GE. And, um, you know, in the book, because I, I like science, and science is good. I like science. Um, you know, science yeah, tells you, us that You, you know, got me all geeky out in this. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? It does get a little soil geeky at times and, and different aspects. But so genetic engineered, that to me is the uh, seed that I am personally not interested in. So genetic engineering produced seeds like, corn that is resistant to uh, glyphosate, which is a herbicide. And so farmers uh, can then spray the corn with this glyphosate herbicide, and the corn doesn't die, but the weeds do, right? Yeah. So in theory, that sounds wonderful. In theory, it sounds like, wow, this can reduce the amount of pesticide we're spraying, and it can make our, our yields go up. Well, let's do it. So they tried that experiment, and guess what? It didn't work because farms are applying more herbicide than ever, and 
the weeds have become resistant. So now we have what are kind of dubbed the super weeds that can handle some spraying of of these uh, pests, these herbicides, and yet they're still alive. So it it didn't have the intended outcome, right? Hmm. Also, another reason why I don't like GE seeds is that it takes power away from a farmer. When you're growing in your backyard, it doesn't seem like much because, like, hey, you know, it's like the seed catalog is one of the greatest things ever, like sitting down with a seed catalog in the winter and deciding what you're going to grow, and then your seeds come in. It's so wonderful. But when you think about it on a much bigger scale than that, you're talking about farmers that grow food to feed the world. That's very important. And we can't take away the ability of farmers to feed themselves, their communities, their countries. It's very important. And there was this GE technology that was coming out called the Terminator gene. So this this uh, this thing they made, it essentially would cause a plant not to produce viable seed. Yeah. So if you have this gene that tells a plant, hey, don't produce viable seed, that to me is one of the worst things that could possibly ever happen on the planet because it means farmers can't harvest their own seeds, right? And think about it. If that got out into the yeah. wild, if that somehow got out in the wild and native plants couldn't produce seed anymore – We'd be ruined in a matter of generations. The earth would exactly. fall apart because. <laughs> yeah. Except for the fact that the people who made that are waiting for the farmers to come buy more of their seed because that's the only place that they can now get seed like that. Exactly. Contract. And, exactly. and so that's kind of a monopoly that our government was supposed to stop instead of help. Mm. And I also like to point out that it's really bad for the soil. It's yeah. bad for the animals. And it's even some the of the worm. bugs, they, they have a superworm or something. Yeah, that, the no. cornworm. That, I mean, it, all we're doing is just having to make more debilitating poisons mm-hmm. where when we just started out, you just had to get some birds or some praying mantis or just go pick the stink bug up. Yeah. <laughs> go play with it. We're back to the stink bug. No, I mean, we've made this whole mess. I know. But there's this... But but we have this ability, and that's my point. I think at the end of the day, sometimes, especially now, we, we see what's going on in the world, and it's like, you know, we look at, you know, the future, our kids, you know, taking care of them and the planet for them mm-hmm. and for nature and, you know, for us to all breathe and not get all these crazy cancers that are out there. And I just, I really appreciate that you've written this book because, you know, you, you can start by growing herbs. Like you talk about how, you know, we're going to the store and buying herbs and all this plastic waste is going into landfills and and ends up in the ocean and it ends up in your fish at the end of the day, you know. So I I think that these are all these positive ways to counteract that. We can take control over this situation, and we should stand up to things that are not good for us, but at the same time we can take action, and it's fun, and it's fun to get kids involved, and you've got some fun projects. I want to go paint tires and, and do crazy I want to go take my file cabinet outside no. and plant things in it well, now after reading your book. Now we know what to do with our old hiking boots. Oh, yeah. I've got, awesome. I've got hiking boots that are ready. <laughs> they're ready. To, they're, they're like five years old of many, many trails, and I'm going to plant them and put them up on Instagram. And they on do Instagram. have microbes in them already. I know. They've got a lot. <laughs> They've been around. But, Mark, before you go, if you could take a one-hour walk with anyone alive or passed on, who would it be, and where, what garden anywhere in the world would you go for that walk? Hmm. That is a good question. Mm. Alive or dead? 
uh, anyone in the world for a one-hour walk? Well, I probably would go to a public garden because uh, we're talking about walking in a garden. Mm. And, you know, I'm pretty partial to some of the gardens up here in my neck of the woods in southeast Pennsylvania. But, you know, when I was a lot younger, I fell in love with Callaway Gardens in Georgia. I love mm. that garden. Um, mm. it's, uh, it's got some wonderful hiking trails on that property. Mm. So I would say it would be uh, a walk through the woods at Callaway Gardens. And uh, it's going to be pretty cheesy, but uh, I would, well, I would say my wife. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Just because, yeah, she is my best friend, and uh, I love walking in the woods with her and the kids. And, you know, if I had to choose one, I mean, I could say Einstein or Rachel, you know, like. uh, Rachel Carson. (laughs) Right, yeah. You know, it's like I can choose all kinds of people, but it's like, well. I'm happy well, you're, you're, I'm in my garden with my family. So Yeah, you yeah. can bring your kids. I mean, I think that's one that's of the cool. things. That's why we started this Facebook group because we want people to get out and start to notice things and, and just get out and look at bugs. Even if it's the same walk every day, you see something new and you learn ecosystems. So thank you so much for joining us, Mark. Don't be a stranger. Keep us posted as you go on and grow and and how your book keeps going out. I love this. Everyone, again, the book is Practical Organic Gardening, The No-Nonsense Guide to Growing Naturally. You can get it on Amazon. Again, it's by Mark Hyland. And go to his website, organicmechanicsoil.com. And, Mark, here's your song, okay, because you pick up stink bugs with your hands. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is not a stink bug song, but because it's coming to that day, uh, Groundhog Day is almost, it's right around the corner. Um, mm-hmm. This song, and you guys are you, you guys are just going to keep getting snow anyway. So, but anyhow, <laughs> it's not going away for you for for this. You know, this winter is going to extend it. But this song, I think, it's one of the best gardening gardening songs ever. <clears throat> it's called "The Groundhog's Dream." It's from our friend here, Wally Lauder, here in Tucson. So you can go to wallylauder.com, everyone. Um, but um, yeah, it's I want to call it "The Groundhog's Revenge." So here's your song. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Thank you. You take care. Here it is, everyone. The Groundhog's Dream. There's a groundhog living beneath my shed, and my neighbor wants to see it dead. She thinks it's a nuisance, she thinks it's a pest, she thinks it's gonna make her garden a mess. Wants me to get rid of it soon, but I don't want to see it off to its doom. She waits in her yard with a shovel in her hand. She'll whack it on the head if she can. Run, groundhog, run if you can. Run from the woman with a shovel in her hand. Run to your home under my shed, cause my neighbor wants to see you dead. One starry night While the groundhog Was asleep He stirred inside His little den And had himself A dream 
He dreamed my neighbor was in her yard. He came across her and he gave her a start. She reached for a shovel, but in between there were ten groundhogs looking angry and mean. The other way to run for the door But there were ten groundhogs That's right, ten more They don't eat meat But they were gnashing their teeth They could put her underground And wait a few weeks Run, neighbor woman Run if you can Run from the renegade groundhog band Run down the street Run out of town Cause those groundhogs Don't wanna see you around Living beneath my shed And my neighbor wants to see it dead She thinks it wants to eat her greens But the groundhog has other dreams The groundhog has other dreams Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.